Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z, the ultimate guide for real estate investors. I'm your host, Steph Boldrini. We cover everything you need to know from finding and analyzing properties to financing and managing your investments. Tune in every week for experts' insights and tips so you can make your commercial real estate dreams come true. And in today's episode, we are continuing to dive a little bit deeper into the state of industrial today. How can you create an industrial opportunity for yourself? Is it through value add or ground up development or single tenant or multi-tenant? And also where are industrial buildings more in demand for? Is it near major airport hubs, trains or freeways? We are chatting with Amy Calandrino. She is an expert and has been doing this for over 10 years. She has CCIM and SIOR certifications, and she is the founding principal of Beyond Commercial. Here we go. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. You were recommended by a dear friend of mine, and I'm very excited to have you here. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, I'm Amy Calandrino, and I'm founder and CEO of Beyond Commercial. We're an independent women-led brokerage here in Orlando, Florida. Uh, we are both WBE and WOSB, so we have uh, women uh, business designations, both uh, federally and otherwise. Uh, we specialize in all different asset classes and primarily private investors and small to medium-sized businesses. However, you know, we have taken some outside projects, otherwise for corporate and institutional clients. Personally, I've been doing this now for over a decade. I was in law before this, and I have an amazing business attorney husband, and I have two toddlers. And outside of this, I have a podcast and way too many hobbies to count. But I guess if I had to rank the top three, then it would be probably uh, traveling. I just love like booking trips and figuring out the logistics of it, golfing, and, and of course, just hanging out with my family and friends. Wow, you have a full, full, full life. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you yeah. do that with two toddlers. They're wonderful. I, I really enjoy them. Let's dive into what is the state of industrial today? You've been doing it for 10 years, which is fantastic. So you have seen the highs, 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 and now continuing the highs, I believe. So let's let's hear it, please. Well, it's so interesting to think about uh, when I first got into industrial real estate and commercial real estate. I remember deals could trade in the teens or 20s or 30s per square foot. And this is not rental rates. This is like to purchase. And uh, it was really incredible to see that uh, following the, the recession and to see those same areas now trading for anywhere from five to 10 times, you know, where they were before, which is a testament to Florida's growth. What is the, the state? Here in Florida continues to be strong because we have an overall supply chain has been realigned. A lot of what previously went to the West Coast is now coming over to the East Coast. And so Florida is seeing a direct benefit of that. And also Florida has had a huge population migration and rooftops lead and then commercial follows, which is usually 
retail office industrial. And we were also seeing a lot of different uses for industrial than we ever used to see before, where it's a little bit of the new retail, where we are having grocers that are operating out of warehouses and delivering to people's houses rather than people go there. We're seeing a lot of fitness. We're seeing distribution. We're seeing the traditional uses as well. But then on top of that, we're creating this really modern, I think it's really sexy. <laughs> Honestly, these big tilt wall, 30 foot high or more free span buildings. It, it's incredible to see that. And then the type of uses that you can see in there that are non-traditional uses. So industrial seen a lot of growth because of that. Now, are there other areas that are oversaturated in it? cooling more quickly. Yes. Uh, but in my particular market in Orlando specifically, which seems to be leading right now, as far as metrics overall, it's strong. Well, you're clearly uh, loving what you do. If you think an industrial <laughs> building is sexy, so you're in the <laughs> right field. <laughs> you mentioned fitness for industrial. Yeah. Well, yeah, you'll see if you're in a small bay, uh, center, you might see someone having like a CrossFit gym. We're seeing in, oh, especially in Florida, it's so hot. All these people come to Florida and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm living in an oven. Uh, you know, you have indoor pickleball, indoor tennis, indoor soccer fields. So oh, that's cool. how we beat the heat. We have so many sports uses here. It was really interesting to see is uh, I didn't realize Miami uh, Marlins was played completely inside, but you know, in, in Florida, we've gotten so hot. And uh, I don't think people really want to sweat all that much that we have a lot more indoor sports uses. Yeah. Fascinating. I'm glad I asked that. That sounds very and rock climbing. Rock climbing. Yeah, yeah, rock climbing. So with all of that, and I know that in other states, industrial is also extremely popular right now. How can someone add value or create an industrial opportunity for themselves? Do you think the opportunities are more on the ground up? or value add, or single tenant, multi-tenant, I'll let you lead from here. So on the investor side, I think is doing a gap analysis of what's going on in the particular market that you're looking to in invest in and see what uh, industries are happening there. So you know what product that you're, you're developing and also kind of studying how those have been leasing up and the rates to determine because from when you decide to go to a project, it's going to be a couple of years before it comes to fruition. But I think overall, I think I see opportunities infill as people are trying to fill in those opportunities. And um, I've seen just recently industrial like Uber Eats kitchens, like ghost kitchens and those being retrofitted. Uh, but I, I think it starts with that. I think at this point, older B and C buildings sometimes become antiquated. And so if you feel like there's a large enough need, uh, I think building ground up is a good call. I think people want to not have to, you know, these older buildings, especially if you can't do refrigerated. I think that's a big opportunity is refrigerated industrial, because if you don't build that from the beginning, you can't always retrofit something. And uh, that refrigerated space goes really quickly. So those are modern, having the tall construction, clear span, and also like refrigerated. If you have an opportunity in a market to add that, I think it would be a solid play. Can you talk about price per square feet for the land? And also what would they be able to get in terms of rent per square foot? 
And you can take an example of a specific area in Orlando and a specific, of course, example of refrigerated industrial, because of course they're all different in price. But if you can at least give us some guidance on what should people look for price per square foot for the land and then what kind of rents they could be getting. Yeah, in Orlando, it depends on where in Orlando, but we have a giant beltway that is just about completed around the city and then I-4 kind of goes through it. Uh, the more central and south of Orlando that you are, so on this bottom side, uh, we tend to see higher rental rates because of the proximity. You're closer to the Cocoa Beach port. You're closer to the Orlando International Airport. You're closer to get down to Tampa that also has a port. Uh, when you get up into the northwest side of Orlando, it tends to be a lot of like wilderness <laughs> and a lot of springs and there's not as much commerce there. What has been trading there? has been on average probably about like $150 a square foot, but it depends on the size. So if you're developing something that's a 20,000 square foot project versus a 100,000 square foot project, it's going to completely vary. And it also depends on whether you found someone maybe to do a build to suit for. I would say the price per land, because I'm working on a project right now, I, you know, a couple of years ago, you'd be looking at more like three, 400,000 per acre. I'm going to say per acre rather than per foot. And usually my rule of thumb is you need like one acre per 10,000 square feet, just depending on wetlands. We have a lot of wetlands here in Florida that you have to mitigate for. And then you have to figure out like what's it going to cost to like engineer this project. But what would you rent it for? We're seeing like new construction rental rates. If you're talking about something that's more like 20, 30 thousand square feet then it would be like in the teens and for refrigerated I think you'd get like a couple dollar kicker but I would have to I, I'll give you a final answer but that's my gut from looking at like all the different comps but you'd be looking at probably like 12 13 14 okay. per square foot for a brand new you know project if you did like a custom build and then add a little bit for the additional uh building building envelope and that's going to be in more the core area of, of Orlando market. Sure. I know that you are in the Orlando market, but is there a location that is even more ideal for industrial? Is it near major airports or trains or freeways? You mentioned ports. Are they all equally in demand or is it more in demand, let's say near major freeways? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that for industrials, I think you want to be close to railways if you are getting a lot of product. And so you need to be rail served. So having that, so I have a client that has tens of tens of thousands of square feet and they are, they're more in the Northwest area because they don't really need to worry about the airport, but they do get some product by rail that they work through. Uh, I would say the most popular right now, though, if you're doing like a heavy distribution and those type of things, it'd be more on the east side of town so that you're close to both the port and the airport and you have rail. Having all the options is why that that's the most expensive. When I sure. talked about in the beginning of the episode, uh, ports, it used to be majority of traffic was going over to California and then it would have to work its way all the way across the country we're seeing a lot more shipments like going through the Panama Canal and then coming to the ports and then working through rail serve to get, get to people or even working up the riverways. So 
I guess my answer would be all of the above. However, with a slight emphasis on, on ports on the East Coast are, are more valuable than before. And this is somewhat of a side note. I recently did a podcast on the demise of San Francisco and California. So I just want everybody to note here that it is indeed, look at Amy, she lives in Florida. She is seeing things moving there and it is reversing. Uh, So please be mindful of that because the way that things are going in California is not looking good right now. And so you need to really think about where you're investing next, because that is where people are going. People are just tired of the nonsense. I had an opportunity because it really interested me. I was going to travel to California this summer and just things worked out with my family and stuff that I wasn't able to. But I've written on LinkedIn about San Francisco in the commercial market uh, because it's interesting. I think cell phone usage is 31% of what it was pre-pandemic. Yep. That's what I also quoted on that episode, 70% less than before. Now I can't move around my city anymore though. I I love all these people coming here. It's really good for me for business, but let me tell you, it takes me so much longer to get anywhere. I'm like, all these people are here. It's it's good though. I'm not, I'm not complaining. I hear you. There's pros and cons for all of it. Just make sure that they vote accordingly. Yeah. So if industrial is in such high demand right now, why do you think Blackstone is selling a lot of their industrial portfolio? Yeah, they sold a lot to Prologis just a few months ago. Um, and I would say I don't think it was so much of a decision of Blackstone to uh to go out, I don't think they were looking for the buyer. Mm. Um, I wasn't able to figure out whether they solicited it or not, but I know Prologis has been in huge expansion mode. And from what I understood is that Blackstone was able to t- turn like a huge profit on this, that they're going to reinvest into some other things. So they had a good basis. What I understand too is Prologis had an opportunity. It, it was being undermanaged because it wasn't really their specialty. You know, mm. who, who who's the king of industrial? Prologis. So mm-hmm. I think Prologis saw it as like an opportunity to acquire in some of these key uh, locations and they were able to pay a number that, that Blackstone couldn't say no to. And I think that's what ended up happening. And so I don't know if it was so much of Blackstone's lack of belief in industrial as Prologis really wanted all of the, all of those properties. So that that's my opinion. I did try to reach out to, uh, I, have, I have a couple contacts there, but wasn't able to get uh, get get that confirmed ahead of time. But that that's my gut. That makes sense. Um, is there anything else that you think is important for our audience to know that we haven't touched on regarding industrial? Well, I think what's important to understand about like industrial that's different is if you are not like a cash uh, buyer and you're acquiring or potentially if you are an investor and you're wanting to sell, I think being much more creative in, in structuring a deal is going to create win-win opportunities. So for instance, if you are a seller, uh, perhaps considering uh, the opportunity to provide seller financing, I understand you have to consult your CPA, but having an installment sale could be beneficial 
and it could keep you having some cash flow coming in and help to mitigate some of those losses. And so, and then that potentially, if you're just undercutting the bank by a point, you're still maybe doing well. And it's something that you can consider. So I'm seeing more of that happening because, um, I think absent that, if you're going to the bank and you're paying like 7%, the seller might not get what they what they want. But I think yeah. that maybe the seller can get more if they, they look at doing seller financing. And so I think being created with financing, that would be something to, to think about and taking that into consideration. And I think if you're building anything new, still understanding that right now, we still haven't seen material and labor come down. I don't expect any huge increases to the labor and materials from what I've read, because that's something I keep an eye on. And I'm not expecting there to be any huge increases as well as far as constructions, but it's still high. It hasn't, yeah. it hasn't come down. So it makes it challenging. Wow, Amy, so. thank you so much for coming here. You're clearly knowledgeable about your industry. I really appreciate you making the time. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm really social. So I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, or I guess it's called X now. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, has anybody been on it? I apologize. It's not Twitter anymore. I I'm still calling Facebook, so, Facebook. So, so, so <laughs> yeah, okay. I know. And that's meta now, I guess now. But so it's just at Amy Calandrino, my name uh, on any of those platforms. My uh, brokerage is beyondcommercial.com. And then I also have a personal website, amycalendrino.com that you can get a little bit of a flavor for me. But i um, happy to take any questions or anything. If you call my main number, 407-641-2221, that's answered all the time by me or, or our answering service. And they will get a time set up for us to chat and, and get connected. And I love for people to pick my brain. So don't ever hesitate to reach out. Amy, thank you so much for coming over. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. And if you haven't already, I would really appreciate a review on our podcast. This is what makes it show up for other people. If you really love our content and are learning from it, please take two minutes to write us a review on the app. And I would love to thank one of our latest reviewers, Jess Johnson, CRE. Love your podcast. Thank you for keeping it simple and to the point. I am transitioning from residential investing to commercial investing and so grateful for all this amazing info. You are most welcome, Jess. Thank you for making the time to write us a review. I really appreciate it. And I will see you next time.